there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's your host, Carter. I wanted to give you a little bit of a warning. Kids who are under the age of 13 might find some parts of our show a little bit scary, so listener discretion is advised. Now, enjoy the show. It's a beautiful day. Sure is. This with the attitude again. The attitude? You and your blockhead friends nearly assaulted me and my father the other night. I I thought... I thought you were with another guy. My father, Ray. Yeah, well, the way he had his hands on you, guy's a pervert, I swear. Shut your mouth, Raymond. How dare you? Hey, hey, wait up, would you? Get your hands off me. I didn't mean it, all right? Oh, you just get me riled up inside, Pearl. Come on, you make me feel things bigger. What a word, Smith. Ah, leave me alone. Hey, I... I'm sorry, too. My old man is a bastard. I'm not used to men... looking out for me. That's why I wanted to bring you to Darusi Lane. (laughs) We've been to Lover's Lane a few times now, Ray. Well, you know, I wanted to bring you here when the sun's up. (laughs) (laughs) So romantic. But hey, like I said, it's a beautiful day, right? Yeah. It really is. I love you, Ray. I love you too, Pearl Girl. Let's go get under that tree over there, huh? Sun's nice and all, but we might need a little shade. Oh, will we now? (laughs) (laughs) What? Ray, what the hell is that? Quiet, just some geezers sleeping. Let's go around. Wait, Ray. I don't think they're sleeping. She looks... Unnatural. Those hats are covering their faces. Uh, Just blocking the sun out. Come on. Let's go, Pearl. Come on. Pearl, what are you doing? Don't touch them. I just want to check. (laughs) Pearl, what's the matter? (gasps) Lord above. Welcome to Unsolved Murders. True crime stories. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Wendy McKenzie. Today, we start our investigation into the Hall Mills murders. Just off an idyllic lover's lane, smack dab between Somerset and New Brunswick, New Jersey, the double murder was a deliciously tragic mystery. Being 1922, this was a time in America when the divide between rich and poor was becoming ever more clear. This sense of difference was pushed along and exploited by the growing media empires of the country. They charged up this sense of division like a greedy light bulb, just to make their own stars shine brighter. 
Even a corner of the rural countryside like Somerset County could become as dangerous and as mysterious as any of the big cities on the coast. All it took was a knack for storytelling. In this day and age, Sensationalize became the name of the game for the newspapers and the radio stations. Yellow journalism was being imported back from overseas warfare coverage to the home front. And this homicide provided a perfect recipe for national frenzy. Blended together men of God and wild women. Both the crazy and the charismatic. And, of course, always common ingredients in a recipe for disaster, big money, and desperate souls. It was a perfect murder story for the emerging 20th century. After September 16th, when Raymond Schneider and his underage girlfriend Pearl Bombers discovered two bodies on DeRussy Lane, it became the most covered investigation yet in the history of American media. The bodies were symbolically posed next to one another, with a Panama hat covering the face of the man and a business card positioned against his foot, scattered between them like snow, shredded letters of correspondence and love. Brutal murders like this simply did not happen in Somerset County. But these two bodies, beneath the crabapple tree, seemed to fulfill the image of a disgraced Adam and Eve. An announcement that everyone in town was about to be kicked out of paradise. This is episode number 30 of Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories, and the first installment of the Hall Mills murder case. If you want to review an episode of Unsolved Murders or to hear our investigation into other cases, you can find them all on your favorite podcast directory. Don't forget to subscribe. You can also listen on our website, parcast.com, spelled P-A-R-C-A-S-T.com. A new episode comes out every Tuesday. And now... Back to New Jersey, USA, circa 1911. In this contentious time, there was still one place most people could hope to find some peace and unity, the church. For New Brunswick, New Jersey, one of those refuges was the Church of St. John the Evangelist, Episcopal. And there was a new preacher in town. Reverend Hall, welcome to St. John the Evangelist. I'm James Mills. Please. Call me Edward. We're honored a reverend of your caliber has chosen our humble little church. Isn't that the perfect description for a church, though? God has a fine eye. One does not have to be big and loud to be heard. It truly is a lovely congregation we have here. The people are good, God-fearing types. Different from that city you're coming from, huh? (laughs) (laughs) The big city has its benefits, but yes, I must admit New Brunswick certainly is prettier than Brooklyn. And our soul is pure as snow. Just wait until you hear the choir. Ah, no real church is complete without one. Although the choir would come to play a very important role in his life, at first it was nothing but background noise to another meeting. Like we said, New Brunswick was a town with many rich denizens. Amongst its most respected was the Stevens Carpenters Clan. Already a union of two respected Northeastern families of industry. It is said they even had ties to the Johnson family, founders of Johnson & Johnson, the corporation at the heart of New Brunswick's wealthy elite. Francis Noel Stevens was born into this privileged side of town, and this privilege was always ingrained into her life. And when her eldest brother Henry left New Brunswick for a town miles away, she became the public face of their family. Excuse me, Reverend. Come in. Ah, Francis Stevens, if I'm not mistaken. Does my reputation precede me? In this town, it does, miss. And no reputation followed you from New York? Oh, 
And what have you heard? I'm teasing you, Reverend. Oh. <laughs> I apologize. Reading the good word every day tends to make one achingly earnest in conversation, which is why I prefer giving counsel. I assume you need some. Counsel? Counsel? No, I wouldn't call it counsel exactly. Please, sit. It's my brother, Reverend. William, I assume his reputation is one that you are aware of. I must admit I am not. Is that unusual? For a resident of New Brunswick, yes. Sadly, it is. You see, my eldest brother, Henry, and I, we know what our family name means here. We know what we carry. But Willie, sometimes I worry the pressure gets to him. What seems to be the problem? Does he attend church? Oh, of course. I mean, most Sundays. What does Willie do for work? Ha! That's the thing, Edward. He can't seem to hold anything down. I fear his personality is erratic. He doesn't seem to understand the duties of adulthood. Perhaps I could have a word with him. He doesn't take kindly to strangers. He's awfully sensitive sometimes. I fear he'd embarrass me. How about this for a proposal? If it's not too forward, of course. Yes? Perhaps you hold a dinner. For all of you brothers. And I attend. That way we have a pretense. And that way, maybe Willie would take kindly to my inquiries into his troubles. Oh, Edward! Uh, excuse me, Reverend. That would be too wonderful. It is no problem, Miss Stevens. But may I admit to a slight sin on my part? This is also an opportunity to taste a fine home-cooked meal. Theology school did little to help me in the culinary arts. I may have to disappoint you there, but I swear, Reverend, my cooks will have your appetites covered. <laughs> <laughs> Edward Hall ingratiated himself with Francis Stevens with ease. It's easy to see what he saw in her. A glamorous figure and a perfect patron for his holy lifestyle. But what did Francis see in him? Perhaps it was his sense of decency. Or perhaps it was the sense of decency he could lend to her. Mm. Francis, like many nouveau riches of the time in America, was very concerned with her image. And with a preacher at her side, even a brother like Willie Stevens wouldn't be able to harm that image. Speaking of Willie... <sighs> so you're fixing your eye on my sister, are you, Rev? Uh, well, William? You're Rev... I'm Willie. Sure, Willie. Well, yes, to answer your question, I've grown quite fond of Francis. Aren't you supposed to be married to God? That's Catholicism, and also nuns. But you're right in that Catholic holy men are celibate. We Episcopalians got off lightly there, I would say. <laughs> hmm, where is Francis anyway? I told her I wanted to have some time to get to know you tonight. Ah, yes, wonderful. Would you mind passing some of that wine? Don't you mean the blood of Christ? Again, that's the Catholics. Well, they just have all the fun, don't they? <laughs> so maybe Edward wasn't a hit right off the bat with Willie. But the Stevens clan was a close-knit group. While Francis's brother Henry had to travel into New Brunswick to meet Edward, her cousin, Henry Carpenter, lived right down the street. Louise, fetch the boys at the door, won't you? They've arrived for dessert. Yes, ma'am. You're going to have to really specify which Henry is which. Edward, trust me, you'll be able to tell. The two Henrys were indeed very different. Henry Stevens, Francis' oldest brother, was known throughout the county as a skilled marksman and outdoorsman. While he may have been a son of new money, he still believed in the myth of the American lifestyle. The woods at his back and the river beneath him, Henry Stevens used his money to live off the land. 
This old house never changes, does it, sister? Why would it, brother? Henry the brother. I've heard much about you. Reverend, I assume. You assume correctly. Welcome back to New Brunswick. And how do you like it here, Reverend? I never could take to it quite like Francis or Willie. I think it's a fine town. A beacon of 20th century America. Perhaps that's my issue. 20th century America has never seemed that interesting to me. Well, we can all find ourselves called to the past sometimes, can't we? Some more than others. And some just can't wait to leave it behind. Speaking of which, is Cousin Henry here yet? Henry de la Guerre Carpenter, the other Henry, worked on Wall Street as a stockbroker. This being the dawn of the century, it was the first golden age of these finance men. Much like Francis, Henry Carpenter lived the good life because it was the only one he ever knew. And he couldn't fathom a reason to live any other way. I believe I see him coming up the drive. Cousin, get in here before you freeze. <sighs> it is a brisk night, isn't it? Hmm. Much worse without those towering buildings keeping you covered, isn't it, Hank? <laughs> Not everyone likes being a mountain man. Well, it certainly is nice to finally meet the two Henrys. Francis talks about the both of you constantly. It's unfortunate she never talks about you. It's a joke, Reverend. Oh. <laughs> uh, you certainly are a family of comedians. We have to make sure our beloved Francis isn't falling in with a bore. All right, enough of that, Henry. I'm getting bored all alone in here. I see Willie's having a good night. Come, let's all get back in there. Louise, please bring in the pies. Pies, plural? She must really love you, Reverend. Well, Edward was certainly a world away from any one of her family members. A man of faith outcast from both the worlds of finance and frontier. In these modern times, Francis's love was enough and she made her choice. The two were married on July 20th, 1911. A most respectable and wealthy family indeed. Edward might have thought he got off easy with this, but he soon realized his mistake there. Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And now, back to the story. Now, when we left, Edward Hall had just married Francis Stevens. And he was in for quite the surprise. Yeah, that's the last of it, I believe. Welcome home, my love. And what a home it is. Indeed. Just don't take my room. Oh, Willie, you gave me a fright there. Didn't know you would be here tonight. Tonight and all the nights to come, Ed. Now, do I call you Papa or Brother? Um, I'm just messing around with you. I call you Rev. You know that. <laughs> what exactly did he mean by that, Francis? Whatever do you mean by that, Edward? Willie... He's not... he's not going to keep living here, is he? Of course he is. But... But what? I'm supposed to throw him out onto the streets? Look at him, Edward. He's not a functioning member of society. I can't let a Stevens wander around New Brunswick looking like a fool. Perhaps a caretaker. I recall you attempting to bring God into his life, Edward. It did not work. 
and where God cannot succeed, who can? Family can, Edward. And now you're part of that family, too. Francis may have legally become a Hall, but it was really Edward who was joining the Stevens clan, without even knowing it. It wouldn't take too long for another pure soul to enter Edward's life. Magnificent. Beautiful. Bless you, Reverend. Thank you. It's all thanks to God. Excuse me? Excuse me, ma'am? Hello, Reverend Hall. Your solo in the middle of the piece? I've never heard anything quite like it. You flatter me. The Lord has bestowed upon you quite a gift. I, I try to express it well, Reverend. You know me, but I fear I don't know you. I see your face floating in the middle of the pews, but like a ghost, I never catch you after service. You see, my husband, uh, James... One of the sextons? The very same. He often stays so long, I usually just slip home alone. But I'm glad to meet you now. I'm Eleanor. Eleanor Mills. Eleanor Mills had one thing in common with Frances Stevens Hall. She was a New Brunswick girl through and through. But she did not grow up in the wealthy atmosphere of the town. While she was by no standard impoverished, New Brunswick was less a paradise than a staging ground for Eleanor. Eleanor was a person full of life, perhaps too much for the scale of life she had been given. She married early to James Mills, a devout, if simple man, who worked both as a sexton at St. John and a janitor at the local school. Sweetie, what are we doing today? Well, I was thinking about taking a walk to the church. I was going to see if we could hire a handyman to fix the rafters. I meant... What are we doing today? I figured you'd have your hands full of the baby. We could hire a sitter. We don't really have the money for that, sweetheart. You could bring her along to the church. And then I sit in the pews and breastfeed? Eleanor, you can't breastfeed a child in the church. It was a joke, James. St. John's is no joke. Not to me, at least. James was a traditionalist. He thought that if he worked hard and prayed harder, his wife would be compelled to do the same. Have you ever thought about moving away from here, James? What? I would never leave my family. <laughs> I know that, James. I meant all of us. Moving. Where will we go? Anywhere. We're not as constrained as you think. What about the city? Manhattan? Are you losing it? We can't bring kids up in a place like that. Well, why not? Plenty of people do it all the time. It's the way of the world now. It's dirty and full of people ready to take advantage of just about anyone. And what would I do for work there? You just said it yourself. It's dirty. Well, you're a damn janitor, aren't you? I don't appreciate that tone, Eleanor. You know my passion is with the church. I won't abandon St. John's for some cesspool of heathens. St. John's did provide one good thing for Eleanor. After having two kids, the only fun she ever found was singing in the church choir. There at least, Eleanor could let her inner star shine. But the church was never a holy place for her. It was a social gathering. And at social gatherings, queen bees can't help but to attract some honey. Why, Miss Ellie? Don't you look beautiful today? Ralphie, Ralphie, puddin' and pie. Kissed the girls and made them cry. I'd never be so cold. That's not what the other girls say. You listening to gossip, Eleanor? Do I need to show you my ring again? Please do. It's very pretty. But not quite good enough for you, though. <laughs> what could be? I saw you smiling at me today during practice. 
Deliver me, deliver me, deliver me into sweet Ellie's arms. I've never heard that hymn before. It's a good one. I promise you that. <laughs> Eleanor's good looks and flirtatious nature made her few close friends in the choir, aside from Ralph Gorsline, a local bachelor. Ralph never gave the sin of lust much thought, let alone that whole commandment about neighbors' wives. He carried on a few affairs in his time, making his way through the social circles of New Brunswick. But Eleanor was a unique find. The bachelor got played by his own game and fell in love. Let's go out again tonight, Ellie. You can come to my place. I told you last week, Ralph, I betrayed James for the man I thought you were. But you're not that man. You're comparing me to a janitor? At least he has a work ethic. In every other way, you're not much different than my husband. Just a sad man who trapped himself in a small life. Ellie! Ellie! God damn it! If you're going to take the Lord's name in vain, you might as well stop coming to church. It'd save me the trouble of ignoring your drooling looks. You told me you loved me. I'm a foolish woman. I've never made a claim otherwise. But I'm not foolish enough to continue along with you. You may think you're ready for some sort of commitment, but you're a little boy, Ralphie, on the inside. Go play with the other little girls. Gorsline didn't mean much to Eleanor after the cheap thrill was gone. But when she began to know Reverend Edward Hall, she found someone worthy of her passions. And she struck at exactly the right time. Edward himself was feeling trapped in a life he never imagined, and Eleanor was the prettiest exit door he could find. <laughs> Shh. Oh, silly, no one's here at this hour. We don't know that. Your husband has a key. James is fast asleep. I made sure of that. What about your kids? Edward, it's nearly 2 a.m. What kind of a mother do you think I am? I'm sorry, I've just never done something like this before. Done what? Something like... That? Well... Or something like... That? Certainly not. Or how about this, Mr. Preacher? Oh. 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 Didn't think so. And like that, a slow-burning match was lit by these two lovers. But what kind of powder keg did it lead to? Or maybe a better question would be who that powder keg would turn out to be. One thing for sure, once that affair began, it wasn't kept quiet for too long. Many sources later said that it became nearly an open secret, or at least one readily available to those willing to see it. Two people in particular were said to have visceral reactions to the news. Let's head to the New Brunswick Firehouse, where Willie Stevens spent most of his days. He wasn't employed there, but the firemen welcomed Willie's vivacious company and his tendency to bring them food. Willie, you bring us a steak today? Fred, you know me. They have it cooking upstairs in the firehouse. Good man, Willie Stevens. Would you let me ride in the truck today? <laughs> you promise to keep your head down today? If Chief sees, that steak won't be the only thing getting grilled. I'll be quiet as a mouse. You know me. Willie was both an oddity and an icon around town. Without means to a steady job, he occupied his time by educating himself. At home in the Stevens mansion, he kept a room full of books. He would often surprise the blue-collar firemen with arcane factoids. While in today's world, he would have probably been labeled on the autism spectrum, back in 1922, most wrote him off as a fool. No one took him seriously, and in a line as wealthy as the Stevens, this made him stick out like a sore and unwanted thumb. 
As his notoriety grew over the coming years, cruel rumors would grow about how he was fathered by another man. All of this to say, Willie never felt fully secure in his family heritage, but he took pride in his name. He would defend it, and those he loved, to the end. I heard the same thing, pretty unholy, if you ask me. That old family certainly got some issues. Hush, here comes Willie. No need to hush for me, boys. What are you talking about? And how's that meat coming along? Oh, this is a fine slab you picked up for us today. We were just talking about some goings-on in the town. About me? No, no, nothing like that. Please don't lie to me. I know I'm a joke in Brunswick, but I thought you guys actually liked having me around. Of course we do, Willie boy. So, broke me in on the gossip then. Well, a lot of people have been wondering. Eleanor Mills just had that surgery performed. We heard your sister and her husband paid for it. Oh, sure, yeah. They're always trying to do the Christian thing. Edward, at least. He's a stodgy guy, but I, I suppose his heart's in the right place. Willie, haven't you ever thought that maybe there's another reason? All that time Edward spends around the church choir? He's always seen chatting merrily with that tart in the streets. You can't be suggesting what I think you are. Forget we even brought it up, Will. Here, let me slice this beautiful cut up for you. It's nice and bloody. I, I need to go. Willie, wait. Ah, uh, why'd you have to go and say all that? You know how sensitive he is. Hey, he's the one who wants to start living in the real world. Time for him to face it. And it was true. Frances had agreed to spend her family's money to help Eleanor. In a sly bit of reasoning, Edward convinced Frances it would help her own image while giving him even more time to spend running over and checking on Eleanor. Hold up alone in that big house. One must wonder where Frances' mind wandered. But how would the Stevens siblings react to the allegations of cheating? Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And now, back to our story. Willie Stevens had just discovered that his sister's charity may have been covering up less than charitable actions, and Frances had no idea what her husband was really up to. Sister? In the drawing room, Willie. Sit with me, won't you? Frances, you're looking pale. And you're looking red in the face. Did you sprint all the way home from the damn firehouse? I... I need to know why you're helping that damn Mills woman. Eleanor? Why, she's a congregant, and Edward's flock is my own flock, a natural extension of our union. Is that what he really has you thinking? I don't need to suffer implications from my own impaired brother. I'm not... There's nothing wrong with me, Francis. That certainly isn't true, is it? Look at you. 
You're sitting here in the gloom, pretending you don't know what's going on. It seems like everyone's seen it, but the two of us then? Maybe that means we're both impaired, sister. Oh, I don't know what the hell you're on about. I think it would do you well to remember that your little room and all your books and all the food you eat. I am the one who allows you that lifestyle. Do not begrudge my own. You think I want to be your burden? I just want us all to be happy. I want you to be respected. Then respect my wishes and end this line of inquiry immediately, Willie. Oh, Franny. Don't let him hide that quiet cruelty behind the name of some god. Louise, Louise, please bring me another drink. No answer, of course. What am I paying anyone for, after all? Was it ego or just flat-out denial that held Francis back from the truth? Whatever it was, the same hang-ups were not blocking Ralph Gorslein's view of the events. Ever since Eleanor broke his heart, Gorslein had become a bit of a stalker. He would track her admittedly limited movements, from the church to her home to some of her secret rendezvous with Edward. Where are you, Ellie? Aha! Sneaking out again. There you are. And everything's feeling better? I feel right as rain. I can't thank you enough, Edward. James would never have been able to afford the care you did. I can never live with myself if I let you suffer. All Francis does is sit on that pile of money anyway. She's not going up or down with it, not using it for anything but herself and that layabout Willie. Oh, but it's so sweet she agreed. Does that mean... Is she okay with this? With the two of us? <laughs> oh, I, I doubt she even cares enough to see what's in front of her. It's been years since we've even gone to bed at the same time. Oh, my love, that must be so hard for you. The letters you send me, those are the only warmth I need in this life. The only reminder I need that God has given us so much love. Oh, Edward, please, let's get out of here. I want to be alone with you tonight. Of course, Ellie. Anything. Oh, of course, Eleanor. Anything for my cheating little whore. <laughs> God'll cut you down. Both of you. September arrived. Leaves around New Brunswick gave the faintest hint of autumn. Edward and Eleanor believed they finally had found some sort of miraculous love, one free of consequence. They were wrong. It was the night of September 14th, 1922. Oh, Reverend Mr. Hall. Hello, Louise. The place looks lovely this evening. You really keep Willie's mess under control. Are you heading out this evening? I'm all finished up. I could walk with you, Wace. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you go ahead and make your way home. I'm sure your husband is waiting up. Good night. Good night. <sighs> I'm as lost as Louise is. Good Lord. You caught me off guard, Francis. Where are you going at this hour? Oh, just down to the mills. Is Eleanor not feeling well again? Oh, no, darling. She's feeling quite fine. Thanks us both profusely for our assistance. I just need to help them finish signing off on a few of the medical bills. Ah. Indeed. It won't take long. I suppose I'll play some solitaire. Oh, don't wait up. No need to lose sleep. The streets of New Brunswick should be safe for this old reverend to walk down. Good night, Francis. Good night, Edward. Meanwhile, across town, Ralph Gorslein waited outside the Mills residence, preparing for his nightly stock. On this evening in particular, he was joined by another member of the choir, a woman with a similar hatred for Eleanor's free spirit. We'll call her Lucy. 
Is this crouching really necessary, Ralphie? Shush your mouth, woman. You wanted to tag along. This is part of the deal. I just wanted to see the hussy in action. Well, sit back and shut up. The action's about to start. Ooh, looks like Mr. Mills isn't too pleased right now. I would suppose not. You cannot just leave your family every night and go gallivanting about town like some common streetwalker. You want to know where I go, James? Why don't you just follow me? Eleanor! Eleanor, please! What a yellow belly. Pathetic. Well, Jimmy, if you don't want to follow her, we will. <laughs> we'll be the eyes of gods upon this sinner. <laughs> <laughs> and follow they did, right up to the outskirts of Darusi Lane. On the border of New Brunswick and Somerset counties. Neutral ground for secret lovers. An empty field apart from the crabapple tree that marked their path. A quiet night. Too quiet. Edward, where are you? Jesus. Not so romantic. Eleanor. Goodness, this is the place you thought was so perfect. Isn't it, though? I suppose it's private. You sound upset. Did James say anything to you? The same as always. I'm so sick of sneaking around. I know I'm not some cheating whore. Eleanor, please don't use that language. Did James call you that? He didn't have to, Edward. The entire town knows it. My entire life, I felt like I was missing something. No matter what else I acquired, I was somehow empty until I met you. Eleanor. I know this means something, but it's eating away at me, Edward. How much longer does it have to be this way? It's unfair. I know it is. And it's on me, not you. I've lived my life in sin and dragged you into it. But this is what we both wanted. How can this be sin? Eleanor, I studied theology my entire life. I thought I knew the nature of God's will on earth. But then he brought me you. And I felt more alive, more pure than I ever had before. This... us... it's not evil. It's not wrong. But the way we've been going about it... We can change that. We can still make this right. Make it real. Before the eyes of the entire world. And the judgment of God. Lily... Could we survive that? There's nothing I couldn't survive with you at my side. I love you. And I you, Ellie. My angel. Should we go sit under that tree? I was thinking the exact same thing. Wait. I heard something. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> You're just being paranoid now. Come on, lay with me, Ellie. God gave us this special paradise tonight, just for us. A gift. The gift. What truly happened on that dark, quiet night down DeRussi Lane? Over the next four years, the entire world would try to figure it out and fail over and over again. A reverend and his secret girl took a stroll one night and forever changed the course of their town's history. Paradise was lost. Join us next week as the dark secrets and the horrible truths of this New Jersey town are spilled out into the national spotlight. And the small story of an affair snowballs into the biggest crime story America had ever seen. Don't forget to subscribe to Unsolved Murders on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. Or through our website, parcast.com. 
That's P-A-R-C-A-S-T dot com. A new episode of Unsolved Murders comes out every Tuesday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our ParCast Facebook page. You can tweet us at ParCast Network. That's P-A-R-C-A-S-T Network. We thank you for listening. And I hope you'll join us next Tuesday when we dive into the investigative chaos that defined the Hall Mills murders. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Wendy McKenzie. We'll see you next time. If we live till next time. Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Ron and Max Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro with production assistance by Joel Stein, and written by Jack Bentel. Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories stars Carter Roy and Wendy McKenzie. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Mike Capozzi, Kimberly Holland, Mick Lambeth, Stephen Pinto, Gregory Polson, and Vanessa Richardson. 